Job from Kenya writes: "The youth are the church of tomorrow." Seems to say the young are not the church of today. Where do you stand then? Well, I stand very positively and say everybody is the church of today.、Uh, my belief of church is that it is a family of believers, and families work best when everybody's together. You know, we shouldn't write the old people off because they've had their day, they're past it. They're valued members of the community. And we definitely shouldn't be writing the children and the youth off either. In my personal practice, I'll tell you the way I've done it as a church pastor, and in fact, I continue to do it now with、um, youth that I'm working with. Is I don't think any child is too young to be involved in worship.、Um, if a child can walk, a child can collect the offering, and they're valued in God's sight.、Um, I'm working with a group of 12 and 13 year olds at the moment, and they are involved. In fact, they're excited about worship. Um, they're doing mimes in church. They're singing. They're doing the scripture reading, and they're actually asking, "Can we preach, please? We want to preach. Should we stop them?"、Uh, certainly not. And I find, as they go round churches with me, because I'm often out at the weekend preaching, they go with me, and you know, the church members just love it because they are actually the church of today, and in being the church of today. They're also going to be the church of tomorrow because they're involved in it now, and as they grow up, they're sixteen, seventeen, twenty, twenty-five, because they've had that input and the involvement as youth. They will continue to be the good, solid church members of tomorrow, and I value them for that. Do you think that the church should be compartmentalised to have the young people over here and the older people over there and under the same roof, though? Unfortunately, I see a lot of that happening. I really don't think it should happen. It's natural because we tend to live in a society and a culture now, where people are compartmentalised and、um, where children don't spend so much time with their grandparents. Perhaps、um, the church I've enjoyed being in the most is actually one where there was absolutely no generation gap. It was a small church, twenty-five, thirty people there, but. You went and did things together. When you had a youth weekend, Grandma was there.、Uh, in fact, we went out on one Sunday, and we were out at an activity centre and doing kayaking and abseiling and rock climbing. And we had three generations on a rock face at one time. We had a four-year-old girl abseiling down this rock face, crazy child, totally fearless. We had her mother coming down there, and then we had Grandma coming down as well, seventy years old. Uh, but she did it, and everybody cheered、uh, because we felt as a community. And、um, I think that's lovely. And I'm I'm saddened when I see you know that the youth have to have their separate worship, the、um, conservative adults have to have their more traditional formal worship, and then there's something in the between. And I'm sure there's ways where it's good for these groups to come together and learn the art of tolerance and understanding. Well, Job is excited and has a few more questions for you, Victor. And the next one is: What does Christian sacrifice mean in a time of pandemics, especially in relation to such diseases as AIDS, which are associated with social stigma? Well, we're told by Jesus in Matthew twenty-five and verses thirty-four to forty that whatever we do for the sick and the needy, etc., we're actually doing it for Him. And so, not even lepers, which really was the AIDS of the first century. Um, were neglected by Jesus. In fact, he made special efforts to help them. Sacrificial love really is shown when we minister to those who are in need without consideration for our own selfish desires. So, you know, I'd say to Job, go for it. You know, there are certain risks that are associated with 
caring for others in this sort of area. Does the biblical faith offer any guidance about whether we should take the risks necessary to care for those in need? Well, you know, faith isn't the same as, as presumption. And to take risks without exercising the necessary precautions wouldn't be wise. So, you know, if you're going to help people with AIDS, for example, take counsel with uh, people that have got experience, who have the knowledge that enables them to minister to their needs without any unnecessary risk to yourself or to your family. But I think the very fact that you're actually willing to talk and to help and to work with these people will be a tremendous blessing for them, and you will actually find it's a blessing for you too. Well, as a final question, is there any hope for those who haven't had the opportunity to accept the gospel or accept Christ? Of course, yes, there's hope for all. That's what the gospel is all about, the good news. None are beyond the boundary of God's love. Um, most common Bible text known by everyone, and we'll keep saying it again and again, John 3.16 says that whoever believes in Jesus will have eternal life. That whoever includes those that don't know about him yet. God wants you and me to share that message with all who will listen to it. That's hope personified.